0: Welcome to Wild Women hosted by Camille and Sarah.
1: This is a podcast about mind, body and pleasure, an honest talk on all things self-care.
0: We discuss issues related to dating, fitness, beauty, mental health. We also discuss stuff about social issues, and we often have interviewees that come up and tell us a little bit about their businesses or their inspirations or motivations or just their journey through some type of recovery. For those of you who haven't listened to us before, this is our second season.
1: Let's dive in.
0: So welcome to this episode of Wild Women. Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty heavy topic. We're going to be talking about rape culture. So the actual definition of this is a sociological theory of a setting in which rape is pervasive and normalized due to societal attitudes about gender and sexuality. So Camille, when most people think about rape, what do they usually think?
1: I think that people believe that rape is usually what you see in movies. So in a dark alley, a stranger comes up behind you and then rapes you. And that means penetration. But the truth is, there is a lot more to sexual abuse than just rape. And it also can include completely different settings. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're 100% right. There's even like, ways of you know, sexual abuse that don't even involve any like physical touch too. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is something that a lot of women experience that could be seen as some sort of sexual harassment or sexual abuse?
1: So you said it, sexual harassment. So that can come as unsolicited pictures and videos. And often that is obviously in social media, in your DMs um, or even in dating apps too. And then we also have comments on someone's bodies without consent, without asking for it. And one thing that a lot of women do sadly experience is catcalling.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all these things like it, there's definitely a spectrum to it. Like if it's a friend who's, you know, just, you know, making a joke about like how pretty you are or something like that, that would be different than something that's making someone feel uncomfortable. And I think like, that's like, it's a very fine line sometimes, you know, between, you know, offering a compliment and then offering something that's like actually like Camille said, unsolicited, something that's going to make someone feel uncomfortable. And Uh, People have to be careful about that. They have to be able to, you know, create boundaries around those things. And they have to be able to speak up and, you know, say, look, you're making me uncomfortable. Stop saying stuff like that. And for the people who do do those things, like, don't do stuff like that to strangers. When you're complimenting someone, especially if you don't know them that well, avoid saying anything about their appearance, you know, focus on their personality, focus on the intangible things. Because when, whenever you're com- commenting on anyone's appearance, whether it's in a sexual manner or not, uh, it can make someone feel very uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. And I do want to say that there's a lot of different unwanted sexual touching. And that can include like something as small as like putting your hand in the low back of someone. It can be... Um, if you go clubbing, when people try trying to grope you or to dance in really close proximity to you. That's not a touch, but that looks at you and stare at you for too long in the wrong way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And a lot of people, a lot of people try to do stuff like that to make someone feel comfortable. But a lot of the time, it can do the opposite. Like I know, like when someone I don't know very well, typically a man, if he's going to touch my waist or touch the small of my back, something like that, that's going to make me extremely uncomfortable. And it's really hard in that position to turn around and be like, don't do that. You know, like, it, it'd be a lot easier if they just didn't do that in the first place, right? Because when you're, It's really easy to say when you're not in that situation to be like, oh, yeah, I would never let someone do that, you know, but when that situation arises, there's a bit of a different feeling. And that feeling comes from feeling unsafe from having someone touch you in a way that you didn't want to be touched. I, I can't stress it enough, like how careful you have to be when you're touching someone, especially during COVID, like just just
1: don't. (laughs) plus like even if it wasn't sexual like you don't know how people react some people just don't like being touched in general Mm -hmm. so maybe just respect that just as you mentioned we often feel unsafe when that happens to us and a part of it is also because often when we do speak up men often turn around and are aggressive Mm -hmm. so If you do want to speak up about it, I would say make sure it's really important to work against rape culture by being there for each other. So, for example, like if like a girl speaks up or a girl feels uncomfortable, like you can ask to help her or you can pretend to know her to get her out of that situation. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, 100%. There's definitely strength in numbers when it comes to stuff like this. And especially when you are feeling unsafe and when you're feeling uncomfortable, just having someone with you or having someone help you stand up for yourself can make a huge difference. And it can allow you to stand up for yourself. Whereas, you know, sometimes when you're you're alone and you're trying to get through it alone, it's a, it's a lot harder because like you said, Camille, like there's that... There's that worry that someone's going to get aggressive and if you're going to you know tell them not to do something that you know they feel was quote unquote okay then they're going to turn around and and lose it on you whether you know it's verbally or even physically and so like a lot of women will just put up with it to avoid that type of confrontation which is awful you know like I I can't even explain how detrimental that is to a woman's self-esteem, to a woman's strength and her power. And, you know, like, I also want to say too, like, it's not just women who experience this, like men experience this as well. But there is, I guess, a bit of a greater fear a lot of the time with women because women are typically smaller, not as strong as men are. So there's not only that imbalance between you know, just, I guess, the assertiveness that a man has, but there's also that imbalance in their physical stature as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think like, if you're a man, and you're listening to this, and you give a compliment to someone, the first thing that I would say is, if they don't like it, don't get aggressive. It's okay to, for someone not to appreciate your comment or appreciate your compliment.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And like, even if you didn't mean it in any type of malicious way, then it's okay to make that mistake. But like, if someone turns around and tells you no, not okay with that, then own up to it. Like, I guess be a man and apologize and be like, Oh, sorry, I didn't realize that I won't do that again. You know, like, and that would make the situation so much better for everyone. And you're honoring someone's voice as well for them standing up for themselves
1: Mm. i do want to say that the most common settings of sexual assault are often on campus in military in anywhere where you can have drug facilitated uh, sexual assault so that means like clubs parties pubs all those kinds of stuff and then sadly it does happen that sexual assault will happen in a professional setting
0: I I guess most of the time what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of people know their sexual abuser so it doesn't happen very often that a complete stranger will sexually abuse you will rape you will sexually harass you it's a lot more common for you to know the person who's uh doing those things to you and I All I can urge you to do is not let that stop you from still voicing your space and just explaining, you know, that doesn't make you feel safe or that makes you uncomfortable or you don't want to hear that or be touched that way or feel that way, even if you know that person, you know, like. And I think that goes back to just relationships and boundaries, you know, like there should be boundaries in any type of relationship and you should be able to voice those boundaries.
1: Hmm. Yeah, some of us have been like talked or kept called by strangers. But let's be honest, oftentimes, like you said, it happens with someone that you know, so in an intimate relationship, or even something that's even more prevalent in the last few years is date rape. So sometimes like it might not be a full on rape, but for example you go on a first date with someone and then they try to pressure you into having sex or they try to have sex with you
0: and uh, i think i think everyone has to be reminded that anyone who's going to pressure you to do anything is not worth your time and if on the first date someone's already trying to pressure you into having sex which is something extremely intimate extremely personal You're giving up a lot of yourself. You're being extremely vulnerable in that position. Um, And if someone's going to pressure you into doing that on the first date, that should be the biggest red flag in the book. You know, like as soon as that happens, that's when you call a friend. That's when you call a parent. That's when you call someone who can, you know, like back you up in those positions and just help you get out of that situation.
1: Yeah, growing up, a lot of tips were given for like when you go on a first date what do you do if you're in an uncomfortable position and one of those were like have a call with your girlfriends of like if you text me this like i'll call you just to make sure that you're okay and if you need to well then you have an excuse to leave
0: yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 and there's so many um little tips like that online that you can find and even even just making sure that your first date is it's just in a public place can help make you feel a lot more safe you know like there's a lot of any restaurant that you go to those restaurant managers the servers they see it all the time like they are used to you know stuff happening like that right so if you're in a place like that you could easily tell a server tell a manager something like that that you don't feel safe and you have to get out of a situation and they will, they will do anything to get you out of that situation. So, you know, just little tips like that are super, super helpful, especially just for your own peace of mind, you know, you have all these, you know, things lined up just in case anything went wrong. So you can relax during the date and you can actually enjoy the date because you know that, you know, worst case scenario, something not good happens, you have a backup plan, you're able to get out of it.
1: Yeah. And I do want to mention that all of this is part of rape culture. It's Mm -hmm. part of feeling like at any moment you can be unsafe. You Mm -hmm. can be in danger. You can be threatened by someone else and that someone can take advantage of you sexually. And that's part of rape culture. Like it, it is normalized for girls to have those tips because we're raised in a society that make us feel like we are often to blame when we are victims of sexual assault or harassment. And we are often doubted when we do come forward or we do raise our voice about incidents that happened.
0: Yeah, for sure. So this kind of brings us into our next topic and that's consent. Uh, So Camille, if you can explain consent, how would you explain it?
1: Okay, so I would say that consent has to be with awareness, willingness, has to be voluntary, mostly sober, enthusiastic, informed, mutual, honest, and an agreement it is active and cannot be coerced and um consent is a process so all of that means basically that you have to check in with the other person you can't start something without making sure that they're okay with it first that means that for example if you are having sex with someone and i don't know you want to try something new like anal sex oral sex or without protection. You have to check in with them first. You have to be aware of their body reaction, because a lot of people think, well, then she didn't say anything. That doesn't mean that they are okay with it, because like we said already, a lot of women don't feel safe to speak up. Therefore, pay attention to their body reaction. So is she tense? Is she relax is she enthusiastic about it is she excited and one way to check in with that is oh do you like this are you okay with this it doesn't have to be do you give me your consent for this you know it can be sexier than that Mm -hmm. and one thing i do really want to mention uh, because we've seen it a lot in whenever there's sexual assault cases the girl is sometimes uh was under the influence of a substance but i want to say that being intoxicated isn't legally giving consent mm-hmm. the absence of a no is not a yes mm-hmm.
0: yeah 100 percent. and when it comes to being impaired in any way especially if you're say it's like the second date or you've just met or you know, you're at a club, and you meet someone, and everyone's drinking, there's a lot of risk in doing any type of sexual act with people when you're impaired, when they're impaired, there's a lot of miscommunication that can happen, they might say something like, no, I don't want to do this, but you hear it the wrong way, and you follow through anyway, and all of a sudden, that's a rape charge, you know what I mean, like, you have to be extremely careful when you're impaired and going to do any type of sexual act with someone that you're not fully acquainted with. And that even goes for like long term relationships, too. There's some people who have a very low alcohol tolerance and sometimes people black out or sometimes they just can't remember things or can't even, you know, voice voice what they're trying to say. They can't speak properly. So even in those like longer term relationships rape can happen as well in those situations where both partners are impaired and I know for myself I remember telling one of my partners like no I can't have sex today like I told him this in the morning that I couldn't have sex because of a procedure I had done a medical procedure and the doctor told me you know just take a couple days don't do anything just to make sure that everything's healthy, there's no complications. And I told him that earlier in the day. Um, But then that night, you know, we were drinking and stuff. And I drank a little bit too much. And I ended up blacking out that night. And then I woke up the next morning, and he told me that we had had sex. Like he knew from earlier that day, that I told him that I just I can't have sex. It's a medical reason. So don't, Don't let us have sex, you know? And despite doing that, like, even if, you know, when I was drunk, I was horny and wanted to do stuff, he should have, if he was my good partner, he should have been able to speak up and be like, no, like, we can't do anything tonight. You need to take a couple days off. You need to rest, like, you know? So even if when, they're impaired they want to have sex but they've told you when they were sober that they don't want to then remember that you have to honor their opinion their comment when they were sober more than when they were impaired because chances are their their memory is a little fuzzy they weren't thinking straight and you can't um you can't take that as their consent
1: Yeah, definitely. And even though, like, being accused of rape charges or sexual assault charges is scary, like, that's not why you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it because you respect the other person. You shouldn't do it because you want them to feel safe and comfortable. And if you're a man who sees that happening to someone else, and you see one of your friend make a comments or you see another guy do something that you know it's not okay it is your place to speak up about it
0: yeah 100% 100% and it's oh and i hate i hate the excuse oh i didn't know oh i didn't realize but it's pretty obvious when someone's not comfortable like we're all human. We all have a pretty distinct body language, and it's not that hard to realize when someone's uncomfortable. With if they're not talking, then there's something wrong. If they're trying to shy away from you, there's something wrong. If they're hesitant, there's something wrong. And don't push that. You know, mm-hmm. don't put extra pressure on people when those things are happening. Like I, I don't, uh, I can't even fathom what goes through someone with a right mind when they try to pressure someone into having sex like do they have any idea how how much vulnerability they're asking out of that person and then they're going to make them feel unsafe while requesting this vulnerable act it's it it blows my mind
1: because you basically violated someone's body when you do that and like you said a lot of people that I hear at least in the media is well she didn't want at first but then like she said yes after so like that must have been like consent but the thing with that the problem with that is that if they didn't want in the first place at the beginning why did you push for it that's not respectful actually it isn't consent because consent shouldn't be pressured
0: yeah like what was like one of the pillars you said it shouldn't be coerced you know and pressuring someone that's that's what coercion is we definitely talked a lot about consent when it came to you know like more so intercourse penetration that kind of thing but there's like also consent for just you know physically touching someone you know like before you give someone a hug you know it's it's never bad to just be like, can I give you a hug? Like, do you need a hug? Do you want a hug? I I guess all I can say is when it comes to people you don't know very well, just avoid touching them physically. And like, if you learn about them more often, and you know, realize that they're very touchy people, and like, they'll touch your back, or they'll, you know, and you feel comfortable with that, and you feel comfortable with them, then yeah, like you can do stuff like touch their shoulder or something like that. But I guess the best way to describe it is just awareness, you know, being aware of like the people around you about what they want, what they like, and just knowing knowing those things before you're gonna touch them in a way that could perceivably be inappropriate.
1: hmm So basically what we're saying is respect people body autonomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This goes from day one, like even
0: mm-hmm. even kids. You know, like if a kid doesn't want to hug their aunt, don't force them to hug their aunt. I, I think we should definitely talk about body autonomy a little bit. So what is body autonomy? What does autonomy over your
1: body mean? It means that you have full control over your own body, and again, you're not pressured to do anything that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And body autonomy, like it Like, it has so many, like, aspects to it, too. And a big, like, I guess, discussion right now is body autonomy when it comes to childbirth. So women being able to decide how they want to deliver their babies, you know, like, sometimes a doctor will be like, oh, well, we should do a C-section, because it's like a better, it's just a better for you, or we should give birth in the hospital, because, We have the medical equipment, it's safer for the baby. But if the woman doesn't want to do a C-section and it's not life-threatening, she's able to have, you know, a natural birth, or if she wants to do a home birth because she's more comfortable in her home and she wants her midwife there, not just a, a doctor who she doesn't know, then women should be able to decide where and hopefully when to an extent that they have birth. So that's another realm of body autonomy as well. but like Camille said, it has a lot to do with just having control and having the ability to make decisions over your body and you being the only one to make those decisions. no one should be able to have the power to make uh, bodily decisions for you. And this goes for, you know anything from you know medical procedure to sex, right?
1: And I do think it's really important to teach that to kids because let's be honest, child sexual abuse is more prevalent than we would like to think. Like most of the time the child knows their perpetrator. And I do need to say that one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they turn 18 years old. Girls are usually more at risk between 11 and 17 years old, and then boys are more at risk when they are under the age of 10 years old.
0: And I guess one of the really blurred lines is statutory rate, and I know there's a lot of girls who, you know, by the time they're 16, 17, they're a lot more mature than the guys around their age. And, you know, they find themselves more attracted to, you know, guys in their mid twenties and, and it happens a lot. It's something that's not uncommon, but in those scenarios that man who, you know, might be talking to this teenage girl has to be able to be like, no, like there's too much of an age difference. Like we we can't have and that's your responsibility as an adult to be able to say those things and it can be difficult and she might get mad but in the long run she will realize how mature of you and how much you respected her in that moment for saying you know what this isn't a good idea
1: as we said earlier i do want to mention that sexual assault and sexual abuse is underreported like a lot, only 12% of child sexual abuse is being reported, while 63% of sexual assault are not reported at all.
0: And those statistics have a lot to do with knowing their perpetrator. They are often scared to, you know, I guess, call out a family member a lot of the time, or call Mm -hmm. out someone who's close to them, a family Mm -hmm. friend. So, you know, as a parent, It's also your responsibility to keep your child safe in those positions and teach them from day one body autonomy. Teach them from day one that they don't have to hug someone if they don't want to, they don't have to hold someone's hand if they don't want to. Teach them the ability to just say no.
1: Yeah. And if your child does come forward, believe them. Believe them. Believe them. Believe them. them. It's so, 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 so important. I can't even stress it enough because when i did work in a center for sexual abuse and childhood trauma a lot of the time people came when they were adults so like in their 30s 40s and they just couldn't keep it to themselves anymore because they were having so much mental health struggle and they were having ptsd and all of that back to when they were a child back to when they were a kid and no one believed them Mm -hmm.
0: It's something that definitely can carry, carry on throughout your whole life if you're
1: not able
0: to be in a safe position, if you're not able to speak out about it when it
1: happens. I do want to mention real quick that a lot of people believe that same-sex relationship is safer, so there's not as many, any kind of abuse, but truth is... Same sex relationship is even more underreported, and all forms of abuse are actually more likely to occur, including sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Simply because there is, I would say, less information, there's less awareness. And when it comes to reporting it, there's a lot of stigmas and There's a lot of obstacles to reporting it, including, like, homophobia and all of that. Definitely.
0: And the other thing, too, when it comes to consent, one of the words that we used was informed. It has to be informed consent. Mm -hmm. And informed consent can come in many ways. But one of the ways that people, you know, don't think about a lot or avoid is STDs. Yeah. So, if you've had an STD, whether you currently still have it or you had it in the past, you have to tell your partner that before before you you have sex, before you put them at risk. They need to be informed about the risks that could be involved before they before they agree to having sex with you. And you know, if it's a type of STD that you know, will we'll heal and we will be cured and we will go away, then, you know, just don't have sex with them until you know that you're fully cured. But also be honest with that partner. If they are going to be a sexual partner, be honest with them. Be like, look, I have this for the next couple of weeks just for your safety. I don't think that we should have sex. Just explain that to them. Or if you have like a lifelong STD, even if there's periods of, say, you know, dormant periods where you really don't have any, say, outbreaks or flare-ups or anything, or if you have, like, active periods of that STD as well, you have to be honest with your partner during those times, too. And one thing, too, is that if someone isn't going to see past that STD, then they're not worth it, you know? If someone only defines you as that STD and if they have a bad reaction to it and call you dirty, infected, all those things, and literally define you by that STD, first of all, I'm sorry that that person does that to you, but second of all, they're not, they're not worth it. You know, there's some, like a person who's nice, a per, a, like a decent human being, even if they're uncomfortable with it. And like, ultimately, it's their choice. That's why you're going to tell them about the STD. If they're uncomfortable with it, you know, they will say it in a nice way. You know, they will be like, look, I think you're a great person. I like you a lot. But this is just a risk that, that I'm not comfortable taking. And that person, will will not you know define you by the std they won't hurt you by the std and yeah sure fucking sucks when someone you know doesn't want to have sex with you because of it but you know ultimately like that's that that's the best way that someone can describe that and you have to honor that too you know you have to honor the fact that they don't they don't that they, they don't feel safe taking that risk and that's okay
1: and sadly like Rape culture is also a slut-shaming culture and it's also, it also has a concept of virginity and so a lot of the time the expectations placed on women and men are not the same and I would say that one of the biggest thing that I noticed the most with rape culture is that the body of the, the female body is made sexual no matter the context or the time or place and one of the best example for that is the whole movement of free the nipple yes so my point with that is if someone tries to blame you for how you were dressed when you're going out and they're saying that you're showing too much skin well fuck that that's rape culture and you're allowed to dress however you please for your own body and that's body autonomy
0: 100% and if someone you know hits on you in a way that you don't want to be hit on if someone sexually harasses you if they sexually abuse you and they try to tell you oh well you were asking for it you were dressed this way that's that's not okay that's a that's a prime example of how rape culture has created this, has polarized, you know, gender, has polarized, you know, different types of sexuality. Anyone should be able to express themselves through clothes in any way they want, you know, it's part of who they are, and they shouldn't have to face the risk of getting raped, of being sexually harassed, of being uncomfortable, just because, you know, they're dressing in a way that they want.
1: Mm -hmm. And I find it funny because i had this discussion not long ago but if you've ever been to pride you kind of see that you see the difference from like the heteronormative society to the lgbt friendly community um because people are a lot more free to dress however they want without being sexually harassed all the time Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and heteronormativity is another thing that's you know very very prevalent in rape culture and basically just heteronormativity has to do with the expectations in a heterosexual relationship you know a woman's supposed to act this way a man's supposed to act this way and they're supposed to look behave and think in a certain way and yeah and unfortunately heteronormativity is something that has been around for hundreds of years. And um, there's a lot of outdated ideologies behind it. And I think that's one thing that the LGBTQ plus community has is just that modern mindset, that mindset towards, you know, just equality, right? And uh, I think heterosexual relationships and heterosexual people can learn a lot by the way that the LGBTQ, community just care about each
1: other yeah and like I do want to say that even in the LGBT community like we still live in a heteronormative world therefore we're still influenced by it and there's still nasty people out there even in the LGBT community because it has more to do with the person my point is that like Sarah said there's a lot of the LGBT community is fighting a lot for a different approach to gender and sex, and that's what we should be leaning toward in the future. I know that today's topic was heavy, and it's not always the most joyful, but I think it is really, really, really important when it comes to having healthy boundaries and a healthy relationship with others, either physically or intimately, um, just to be aware of those concepts and to be able to communicate better with each other. Yeah. And
0: when you really think about everything we talked about today, a lot of it is just common sense. It's common sense towards being just a good person, mm. right? And they're, they're not that hard to apply. Yeah, sure. It seems like we listed a huge long list for what real consent is. But really, if you're just making someone feel safe, if you're making them feel comfortable, you're going to hit every single pillar on that list.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, um, I've heard those excuses before of guys saying, well, like we were already making out and like I couldn't stop myself. Well, you know what? Bullshit. Because if their mom walked in, if their grandma called, like, I'm sorry, they would have stopped pretty quickly. So don't make others make you feel like it's your fault when they have full control over their body and themselves. For sure. Well, thank you for listening to our episode today and
0: we will have a special guest on for our next one. So have a great day and
1: be safe.